This is Masters in Business with Barry Ritholtz on Bloomberg Radio. This week on the podcast, I wanted to try something a little different. Uh, You guys know I'm a bit of an auto buff, and so I brought in one of my favorite automotive riders right here at Bloomberg. Hannah Elliott has been covering cars and luxury goods for the better part of a decade, Um, and we just wonked out about all things automotive. Uh, If you're at all interested in, where do I start? Tesla, electric cars, collectible cars, supercars, driving, schools, racing, just the future of automotive industry, well, you're going to find this to be absolutely fascinating. Unfortunately, there's a lot of me in this. You'll just have to get past that because once we start talking about cars, I can't shut the hell up. Um, But if you're at all interested in automobiles, you're going to find this to be a lot of wonky fun. So with no further ado, my conversation with automotive journalist Hannah Elliott. This is Masters in Business with Barry Ritholtz on Bloomberg Radio. This is an extra special edition of Masters in Business. I don't normally bring in guests who are also Bloomberg columnists, but today I've brought in one of my favorite people to read, Hannah Elliott. I normally would say welcome to Bloomberg now, (laughs) but you have your own desk and badge and you're here half the time, I'm here. I'm here just across the way. So you split... Your time between the East Coast and West Coast, right? Kind of. My boyfriend lives on the West Coast, and cars are better on the West Coast, let's just say. roads. Yes, especially during the winter. Yeah, for sure. So I do find myself out West a lot, and I'm originally from the West Coast. So it is back. Is that right? Exactly. Okay. So so let's start with your background. Um, I originally saw your byline when you were at Forbes doing luxury. What's your background? How on earth did you find your way to car reviews? Well, it's a funny story. Do My, tell. I, uh, I have a journalism degree from Baylor University in mm-hmm. Texas. Great school. I went there to run on the track team, actually. Oh, really? What'd um, you run? Uh, the 800 and cross country. I ran the half no. mile and, 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 and the two mile relay. Hardest and race that is track. a brutal race. Yes. People don't understand. No. It's a two minute sprint. Yes. Yes. Or unless you're good, and then it's a minute 30 it, sprint. It really proves your worth and your courage yes. as an athlete because, you know, they always say whoever is leading at the end of the first lap is not going to be leading That's right. at the end of the it's second all lap. About, it's oh, all about strategy. the kickthrough. Right. I mean, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. But yeah. to get back to your By the way, question, that was 100 pounds ago between <laughs> you and I. You're still well, la- lean well, and lanky. Yeah. Um, you should see my dad. Yeah. <laughs> he, Runner? Oh, yeah. He actually ran for Athletics West um, Nike's. Uh, elite sure. marathon training yeah, team yeah. back in the 70s and 80s. Um, yeah, he's six four and weighs about what I do. <laughs> You're not that much shorter than that. How no, tall are you? I, I'm actually five ten and a half. But I'm I don't wearing, believe that for I, a no second. No one does. No one does. I'm five ten. I and have a, half, a doctor's and note. You're towering. Oh, let me see. I have. <laughs> I have a doctor's note that says I'm five. You and have and to be no at least six feet. Well, in heels, of course, I'm probably no, six barefoot. Two. You're six feet. I, I will prove it to you. I'll take off All my right. shoes later. We can we'll, we can back up against each other. <laughs> we'll we'll try that later. I'll get a photo. Yeah. I don't believe it. For yeah, a second. I know it's crazy. So back I have good to posture. Ba- Dr- Baylor Journalism <laughs> yeah. School. So, what led you towards Fort? So uh, I moved to New York. I'm writing basically for the same wire service that I interned in uh, in Baylor, writing about politics and religion. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like it's good. But I I'm looking for the next thing. I answer a Craigslist ad. 
Really? Looking for a assistant editor at Forbes. I know nothing about cars. Craigslist. Yes. Really? I, well, this was 15 years ago, and right. apparently people still use Craigslist. I mean, back people then. still use it now. I know a <laughs> yeah. ton of people who sell cars on Craigslist. Yeah, of like course. I, I, so I, we'll talk about my okay. cars later. Oh, I can't wait. I got an old SL. I have to get rid of. <gasps> and um, <gasps> what color? I, Red with a tan interior, oh. 86. I have an 88. It's 119,000 miles, and it's my third convertible. I don't need I want to talk about this. We will talk about this yeah. in a few minutes. Okay. I have some funny car stories, and I bet I, you do too. Great. So, um, so Craigslist yes. Forbes. So, so I answered an ad on Craigslist. I don't know anything about anything. I'm such a baby. I don't know a thing. But I go in and I just think, all right, Forbes is a good brand. If I get my foot in the door, I'll figure something out once I get there. It's, right. it's a great brand. So I go in and I, the guy who hires me is a great person with who sees potential in people. And he right. basically said, look, you know, I get hired. He hired me because I was cheap. I was just out of college, and really, I had no bad habits as a journalist. Yeah. And he figured, I can teach this person how to write about cars. I can mold her. Exactly. Just like any other beat, he was used to dealing with a lot of car guys who can write about specs and machines you and engines. You had no car background at all? Zero. Any I previous mean, interest? No. No. I mean, my dad's not a car guy. My brother's not a car guy. What was your I, first car? A Buick Skylark, I'm 1969. So I mean- Olive, really? olive with Ugh. black interior bench seats. I was so embarrassed of that car. Right. I mean, my I shared it with my sister. We bought it for two hundred dollars. We each paid a hundred. She loved it, and she she is cool like that. She saw that it was cool, but I was mortified of that car. At you the were time. right. She was wrong. Although, I mean- <laughs> so you're still too young. My generation, mm-hmm. cars represented freedom. Yeah, like you lived in the suburbs. Your parents would freak if you went into the city. Yeah. There was no internet. You were not connected to the rest of the world. The entire Bruce Springsteen over of, I I have to get out of this place, cars represented freedom. I love that. That is no longer, uh, like kids, not only don't they need cars today, oh, where are we going to go? Great, let's Uber there. I know. It's a whole different headspace. I know. Plus they're plugged into the entire universe. So. That sensation of being a, a, a white suburban punk, a prisoner in, for me, it was Plainview, Long Island, but <laughs> that was repeated by millions of people. Anyway, my yeah. my Chrysler 300 that I paid $100 from oh, yep. my 67 mm-hmm. Chrysler 300 that I paid $100 from my uncle and could chirp the tires at any speed nice. um, was a great first car <laughs> yeah. until my mother borrowed it and totaled it. Okay. And well, that was, uh, that, was that. So, yeah. so they, back to you, they could mold you. Yeah. Do you want to mention this person's name? Uh, sure. Matthew DePaula. He's, he's great. Still I, there? Uh, no. He, as it turns out, actually, the next year he was laid off because, of course, he cost a lot more money than I did. And this was going into the 2008 when everything was just So you took really over bad. his slot. Yeah. That's so basically, nobody was else was writing about cars, and it's like, oh, hey, Hannah, get over there, do that. So I did that, and I kind of, oh, you know, for it took four or five years before I finally embraced it. I always was thinking this is just so I can have a job and I'll do something else that I actually care about. Right. And then I started to like it. I don't know. It was very unexpected, unplanned. Um, I started to like it. 
Right. And here I am, 15 years later. When you first were doing reviews for Forbes, mm-hmm. was it the new Honda Accord? Or yes. was it the <laughs> was it the supercars uh, you're mostly it reviewing was, now? Uh, it was everything. When I first started, of course, Matthew got the good quote unquote the right. good cars the exciting cars he'd throw me yes you know Ford Explorer yes, give it go, a Hannah. yeah yeah exactly which was great because you have to do your time you sure. have to put put in the work learn the basics it's not glamorous even though it look it can look really glamorous but a lot of it isn't and that's good that's as it should be um, I find it a very honorable trade. So yeah, of course I would be in the Hondas and Toyotas and Fords, and sometimes I would ride along with Matthew while he did, you know, review something more exciting. Um, and that slowly changed over time. Wow, that, yeah. that's really interesting. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about your process. First, I want to know how you pick a car to review. I want to know what the steps are like, what sort of research do you do? Is it a blank canvas or do you do some background? Let's start first things first. How do you pick which car you want to review? This is a conversation I have with my editor a lot. uh, And we try to pick cars that are new on the market Mm -hmm. and exciting for consumers. And by that, I mean, we may not review an Audi just because it's not as exciting as something else. So we try to keep in mind newness, um, excitement, and also uh, vehicles that are pivotal for an automaker at that time. Vehicles that mean something for that automaker. Either, you know, it's a the Porsche do or can. die. Yeah, the first ever electric from Porsche, although not really the first as we've found out. You know, there's there's some hybrids in their history. But um, yeah, so new, exciting, and a car that means something pivotal for the automaker are really mm-hmm. the the criteria. Okay, so now it's a some random car and yes. I'll, I'll we'll come back to the Taycan later. Great. I want to talk about Great. that. But it's some car. How do you go about it? Do you approach it as a blank slate or do you do a lot of homework and my fear is reading other research oh, yeah. might bias you a little bit. Right. So how, how do you go about that? I don't read any Nothing. other no Blank. and and often I couldn't if I wanted to because the cars that I get are not literally not even on sale yet. Um, but there's so. lots of the automotive press. There's lots of this car. Let, let's use the Porsche as an example. Mm-hmm. There was the Mission E um, sure, concept car that yes, and which and we heard about for years. For, well, a good couple of years, yes. and then all the the chatter that this was going into production, yes. and then. The early photos that looked very much, very similar. Yes. I mean, the production cars are never, but this one is relatively close. Yeah, they did a very good job, and it doesn't hurt that the all the prototype cars and concept cars were white, and then the debut car was white. Right. I mean, even that, that's a simple thing, but that is calculated. Right. They're the, trying to Their prototype carry on, was carry much it curvier. Yes. It had that tighter belt line and, and yes. broader hips and, and front wheel wells. So, so you don't read any of the stuff. No, you come in blank. No, I, I, you use a good word, chatter. Um, I don't want chatter in my head. Right. I don't trust it. Um, it has to be something real inside me. I trust my own judgment. I don't mm-hmm. want to read other people's take. Um, and often I couldn't if I wanted to because a lot of these cars are have not been driven and reviewed. They might have been covered like on, de- yeah, on right. debuts but not actually driven. Um, I'm a big believer that cars should fulfill what automakers promise. And it's surprising how rarely that happens sometimes. Um, I think a car should fit its what it's intended to do the state statement of intent from the automaker should be fairly priced 
compared to others right. in the segment. Now, maybe that's expensive, but maybe that's a fair price compared to others in the right. segment. Um, it should be able to do what it's intended to do. How well does it achieve that goal? So I think by that cr- criteria, you could have a great experience in a Mini Cooper that costs, you know, twenty or $30,000, and you could have a great experience in a Bentley Continental GT, one of my favorite cars from last year, mm-hmm. a car that costs over $200,000. Um, they both can be amazing cars for what they're intended to do. But they're very different things. Completely. How do you distinguish between what the engineers and automotive designers promise and what the <laughs> marketing people promise? Because there's often quite a lot of daylight between the yeah, two. Yeah, I don't like marketing at all. <laughs> I mean, I think you have to do your best as a reviewer to cut straight through that. I don't watch car ads. I, I don't right. have a TV. I couldn't if I wanted to. I really try to keep all of that out. Um, I often will read the press release after I review the car huh. just to kind of check and make sure that I get my facts straight. The big thing for me is that I'm fair and accurate. Okay. Um, I, it doesn't bother me if people disagree with my take as a critic. That's fine. I it's love, an opinion. Of course. I love having conversations. Um, I have, sure... Uh, Automakers have said that's unfair, but I do try to be fair and accurate. So to your point about um, marketing, you know, I'll I'll read through their marketing materials mostly as a fact check mm-hmm. after I write the review, but before it's published. Gotcha. Yeah. So now let's let's I'm assuming you or the editor or somebody reaches out to whoever, Aston Martin, Ferrari, whatever. They arrange the car, all that's administrative stuff. Now it's review day, and and let's use um, uh, the Bentley you just mentioned, sure. one of my oh, favorite cars, one of the most beautiful car. looking things. They Ugh. they did such a spectacular job on the interior. But hold that aside, yeah. you fl- and I, if I remember, that was Southern California, right? So you fly out to California, you pick up the car at Bentley. Tell us what that day is like. The great thing about uh, this job, and I admit this is a great perk. Often they deliver the cars to me so I don't even have to even go nicer. pick them up. Do they have but, a handler with you all day? Uh, uh, no, no. There, there's a third party company that it's a press management, uh, press fleet managers basically. Right. They they manage the press fleets for a lot of automotive brands so they'll send a guy with the car and then hand it over. And um, he leaves you alone. That yeah. Here are the keys. Yeah. Try and, not and, to mess it up. Right. And and with that Bentley I actually, it, w- it worked out perfectly because I drove that from LA up to Carmel right. in advance of the Pebble Beach Auto Which Show. Which was so, delightful. Right. And so I, I, you know, I had it for multiple days. You really get a feel of what it's like to live in these vehicles. So you have that car. It's Is it out yet or is this is still? It's out. Oh, so it's, it's not by, like. By now it's out. So at, it, at that point, the 2020 version has was probably, they were taking, or, they're always taking orders. Right. But deliveries had not started. The reason I ask is, so you're going to Pebble Beach. Yes. With a really hot yeah, car. Yeah, I know. It's But also Pebble Beach is the insane. creme. I mean, it's insane. It's insane. Nothing, nothing will be shocking there. Nothing, no car will be shocking there. I can just, I mean, you kind of blend in, even in a brand Bentley's, new, Rolls Royces. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so you get the keys to the car. Yeah. Tell us, take us through the process. I, I try to just live in the car as I would if I own the car. So, take it to the store. You know, how does it feel to get gas? How does it feel to link your Bluetooth? How does it feel to go on a hill climb up, you know, you know, up Angeles Crest Highway, Highway 2 in California? And I did take that car 
um, up those hills. You, it's like an elevation of 6,000 feet right. once you get to the top. They've got a and bunch of And that's supercharged, right if I remember. Yeah. You were in the V8, right? Yes. An amazing just car. Love, just loves that altitude, yeah. right? Just yes. sucks in the oxygen. And, and this is a gr- what Bentley is billing as a grand tourer. So they're so saying- So close to a full sports exactly. car, isn't it? They're, they're saying it has all of the capacities of- a car you can live in day in and day out and take for on a long trip, you know, over a weekend or over a week, and you're going to be equally comfortable in that, but it still has the performance of a sports car and a true sports car. So, okay, all right, I'll take that and do that and live in it. So do you work with any sort of checklist and say, well, I want to do this, and I like, what What do you? What sort of paces do you put this through? It's a, It's more of a mental checklist by now. I used to have a list when I was just starting out doing it, just because I wanted to make sure I didn't forget anything that right. I would need for the review. But now, of course, um, you look at efficiency, you look at acceleration, how is the braking, how is the steering. Um, efficiency, how, really? Does anyone sure. who buy that car care about that? No. Okay. But other cars, they might. Okay. Uh, for the Bentley, no. Right. But a V8 versus the W12, I mean, they do make a W12 version it's so of so much car. heavier, and the I horsepower know. bump is incremental. I know. I really like... Not that I've spent much time in it. I know. But the supercharged V8 just seems and to make so much more sense. I will tell you where the efficiency comes in. I drove that car from LA to Carmel on one tank of gas, right. which is insane and Half the people I tell don't believe that. That car has the but it's ability. A giant it's a gas. giant car, but it and it also it's a giant cuts gas out, tank. Yes, and it cuts out um, two cylinders when right. you're cruising to help improve efficiency. And that I think we talk about the readers of, of Bloomberg, you know, these people um, are more consu- concerned with saving time rather than saving money. Sure. So when you talk about efficiency, if you put it in terms of time saved, it makes like a difference. You, it does make a difference, and that's where the type of buyer that might buy that car actually does care about efficiency. Right. Well, you know, the the putting putting a bank of cylinders on, uh, into retirement <laughs> um, temporarily, which I know even Corvettes and other cars have done in yeah. the past. Uh, is one thing that is mostly on the highway not noticeable. Completely imperceptible. And the other thing I've noticed, so I always used to turn off the, a lot of cars you'll pull up to a red light. Stop, start. And and the whole car shut. That is a pet peeve of mine. So me too, until one of the the new truck I have, which is the new BMW X4. Cool. It's the first, and it's really more of a crossover than a truck. It looks Mm -hmm. like a giant car Mm -hmm. until you pull up next to a real truck. It's like, oh, this thing is tiny. (laughs) Uh, Although the X6 seems to be immense. I Uh, love the X6. And I know that's a polarizing car, but I I think it's cool. If you only have one car and you need a truck, but you want something sporty, that's the way to go. And the old one, you had that fastback that you used up. The new one is more like an extended wagon. It's much more rational than the old one. I know. And I think it's even better. And they made the interior very, very handsome. Yeah. But hold that aside. Yes. This is the first car I've ever been in where the start-stop is, I don't want to say imperceptible, Mm. but it's pretty good. Subtle. The whole thing doesn't shudder in that annoying... Ugh, where's the button to turn this damn thing off? I'll tell you where that's really weird, when you're in a manual car. Right. There are some manuals that also had the stop-start. Half the time, I think, somehow I killed it. My wife's two, My wife has an M235i yeah. convertible. <laughs> so everything but the truck is a stick uh-huh. and the SL. But um, there's two really interesting features with the start-stop. If you put the clutch down and put it into gear, the start-stop goes on. Uh-huh. Or if you hit the sport button, the start-stop is It's very is unnerving. 
I mean, it. I just right. Yeah, it feels I, like an electric yeah. car. It's like yeah. why is what? this so? But yeah. the the I don't want to say older Mercedes, but a five years old Mercedes and anything of that era, the whole car just shudders and shakes, and it's it's just way too annoying to make up a mile I per agree. gallon. I agree. So so there's that, but yeah. but BMW seems to have figured that out. In the same way that GM figured out how to retire two bank two, mm-hmm. it's not two uh, two banks. It's just one or two cylinders. Two cylinders, and yeah. they do it in a way that it's really not very noticeable, yeah, I know. which is really really interesting. All right, so you drive the car around for a couple of days. Yeah. Are you taking notes or is yeah. it all? Ma- are you no, dictating? No, I, t- I, I I take notes. Yeah. I actually write emails to myself. Right. <laughs> I I literally am typing emails. You know, even the th- how do the seats feel? Right. How do the seats feel after eight hours of driving? Right. That's a big deal. Sure. How's visibility, you know, at the three-quarter pillar behind my shoulder? Mm-hmm. Um, how does In the, the Bentley, it's terrible. It's bad. But but the good news is nobody's behind right. you. You're, you're way <laughs> Yeah, ahead. you're so far ahead. Right. I mean, how does the steering wheel feel? The most tactile, simple things. How easy is the interface with the infotainment? How quick does it... How long does it take me to connect my Bluetooth? Right. I mean, how easy is the map and navigation system? All of those things add up to the value of a total car. experience. Yes. Right. Yeah. And and now, how significant is that relative to? Hey, how does this thing drive? What does it feel like when I bury the That's accelerator in the carpet? That's a great question. I think it's fifty-fifty. Really? I, I really do because <laughs> it reminds me of that old quote. You know, people don't remember. Uh, how you treated them, they remember how you made them feel. Something like okay. that. I think maybe, I haven't thought about this, so this is coming out raw, but it could apply to cars that, you know, um, the the when you walk away, unless you're really a professional, a truly professional driver, you're going to walk away with more of a general feeling right. about the car. Half of that feeling will be a direct result from how it actually drove, but the other half is going to be from other things. I mean, Seat comfort, I think, is a big deal that mm-hmm. that goes overlooked a lot. Yeah, headroom, absolutely. 100%. shoulder room, especially for men. I, I actually think, especially it's, for someone who's six five. Exactly. Right. I know. <laughs> let's let's keep up in the height. Um, I, my brother's six eight, so we right. should talk about that. But I think it's an advantage that I'm tall because I do. Maybe I'm able to relate to more men. Mm-hmm. It's something to think about. Um, all of those things, um, impact how you feel about a car for sure even the engine note i mean let's performance cars sound matters i uh, uh, i could not possibly agree more <laughs> and th- the funny thing is and we'll talk more about my stupidity later but both the so my x4 is the mx4.0 good and the previous car was the macan s you went from porsche to bmw um, That's an interesting well, move. Well, let's have a digression okay. briefly and talk yes. about Tell this. Tell me about this. So first, uh, I call this interface confusion. Uh huh. And and well, you know what? We'll come back okay. to this. I wanted to because there's a this. longer story about okay. this. Okay. Um, but the bottom line was, my wife and I both liked the McCann, and and she. It's a but, bestseller. But I liked it, and she. It was a lot of quirky things that went wrong with it. And she basically Ooh. says, no thanks. Wow. So, and we had two other BMWs. Oh. So standardizing on, yeah. I don't have to look family. where the buttons are and just yeah. driving. Because yeah. she screams, <laughs> I have a terrible tendency to take my eyes off the road and oh, mess no. around. And when you oh, go no. from an SL to a Jeep to an M to a, a A lot Porsche, of distractions. It's just, you, it takes too long to reorient yes. yourself. The greatest little toy that this 
car has is the lane notification. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't make the horrible noise that the it just McCann does. Not only does it vibrate, but oh, I oh. think it vibrates on which side Do you're you off. Do you like that? I, I love I, that. Really? Because I so I don't pay attention to the lines in the road. I can't I'm, believe you're just saying this. I'm freely. looking. I'm looking oh, for no. the curve. No, oh, I'm no. looking for show oh. me where the entry to the turn is okay, and where I'm going to accelerate right, out. Right, okay. I don't. And if lines happen to cross that, yeah. I don't care. Uh, yeah. I, I'm looking for <laughs> what's the best line uh -huh. through the turn okay which occasionally scares the hell out of oncoming mm -hmm. drivers or my wife mm -hmm. and so when we got this um i always had it off in the mechanic because it just made this horrible yeah. buzzing noise but in this it's a very subtle vibe now you could set it in the controls soft medium hard okay. i want it hard wow. and i'm not sure if this is um me my wishful thinking but it feels like when you drift on the right side, the right-hand side I'm vibrates. Sure it, yeah. And on the left hand, the left hand. And let me tell you, it is really, really helpful. I don't know if other people like it or don't. The same thing with the cruise control. Mm -hmm. We mm -hmm. rented a Nissan Maxima when we were in Florida the other day. And it had the full... Um, Adaptive. It, right. It, it, listen, it's not Tesla Autopilot. But we're stuck on one of the highways in bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic, and I just put that on. Yeah. Now, if you stop for more than three seconds, it goes off, yeah. which is really dumb because all of a sudden it goes off, and now you start lurching forward. Yeah. is terrible. But these little nannies, if you're aware of them and use them appropriately, mm -hmm. it's only going to make driving safer and better. And I think this goes to a bigger point that there are two different th – There, it's a difference between commuting and driving. And a lot of – the times that Americans spend in cars is actually commuting, right. sitting in traffic, not engaged driving. And to your point, I would rather just be driven if right. it's a commute. And, and yeah. if you all the all the studies will show that the more time you spend in a car commuting, the lower your overall levels of happiness and life oh, satisfaction I, are. Oh, I believe that. And it's just think about you're in California. Think about the people who are commuting in LA I, traffic. I can't. That's no way to live. That's no, a lot of podcasts. Let's talk a little bit about the collectible market, which over the past couple of years has gone crazy. Yes. And tell us what, what you see in that space. It's been so interesting. We've seen the rise and then kind of the plateau of uh, Porsche, especially the Porsche turbos from the 1970s. The, have had the, an astronomical, All the air-cooled engines. Exactly. I mean- Ten years ago, less than ten years ago, you could buy a, a 1970s era turbo for twenty thousand dollars. Right now, they're selling for over two hundred thousand dollars. It's nuts. I, it's kind of insane. I think that's plateauing at least. Um, you know, the Scottsdale auctions are coming up this month. I'll mm -hmm. be going, and I can't wait to see how those do. But that's been interesting. We've seen the the rise of what they're calling like young timer cars, which are basically the cars from the 80s and 90s that anyone who grew up in the 80s and 90s might have had on a poster on their wall. Now, these cars are becoming collectible. It's the old 30-year cycle of... It's it's the math. The yes. cars that <laughs> the cars that the 45 to 50-year-olds who now have disposable income yes. liked when they were in high school yes. suddenly... Now, my question is, is that a diminishing group? What happens 20, 30 years from now when that generation has grown up not caring about Camaros or or Corvettes or even Ferraris. We're already seeing it. I mean, really? we, well, 
the guy, the guys who want the muscle cars, you know, the the Shelbys and the Corvettes, the older Corvettes, and right. um, you know, the GT. I mean, GT forties are kind of their own thing, but um, these are not. These are really low and really stable across the board, completely. Um, I mean, I think to your point about um, young timer cars, we can we can see what muscle cars are doing now and probably project that the same thing will happen. But that'll happen in twenty years from now. Right. I don't think I don't see them stopping anytime soon. I mean, see, at, at what point does the like there has never really been a big decrease in art collectors that. Mm-hmm. From generation yeah. to generation, you have enough money eventually. I want a Rothko or a Jackson Pollock or whatever. That that seems to be, or a Monet, or whatever the previous 100-year thing was, that, that is not showing any signs of waning. But it seems like this has got some demographic issues coming. It will be very interesting. I will say, I think Ferraris will always be a blue chip buy, of course. You know, Jaguar E-types will always be blue chip cars. The Aston Martins from the 60s and 70s will always be held very dearly. These are the perennial But they're so rare. You're talking about a few thousand vehicles across everything. So one thing that i'm watching which is very interesting is these group b cars are you familiar with those like the lancia deltas and the pujos they were rally cars from the 80s that were raced for like two years in a very hairball rally the automakers made only 200 of them so they're very rare they have been adopted by these obsessive cult of fans who collect them and they're paying six and seven figures for cars that are very ugly <laughs> but are very desirable so let's let's apply that same framework the 60s and 70s ford broncos yeah oh they've man. gone crazy crazy just off the chain and the car that i'm going to import myself from bogota colombia is a 70s era toyota fj cool i really like those okay. i i have three people always i have this grotesque orange crush two-door cool. jeep with a stick ooh, ooh, and awesome. people are always asking me so that was a salvage title i paid mm-hmm. less than 20 grand 20 grand all in a flood car it's how much been, did you put into it 20 so the car oh, and it was 20 grand all amazing. in amazing i bought it a year old with i want to say fifteen thousand miles and i now have forty thousand miles amazing. the only the only thing i had to do is replace a handbrake cool. and that was probably my fault so um and the radio, the radio just got re- replaced, which is a pain in the neck because it's a crappy radio. And the factory, it's like eight hundred bucks. I found it somewhere for about five hundred bucks. Right. But um, the FJ, if I'm going to have an all-wheel drive thing that I use occasionally, I want it to be a little more fun, and mm-hmm. I really like that. Those have gone not quite full-blown crazy, yeah. but you can find renovated versions of those going for forty and fifty thousand oh, dollars, and people drop big V8s in those for no. Damn good reason. Completely, and look at Land Rover bringing back the Defender. I I used to love that car, and now, what? what, Have you seen the new one, the new Defender? Uh, I haven't seen it in in person, but I've seen pictures. Okay, it's interesting. It's a very polarizing vehicle, but I think to your point, the automakers are seeing. The obsession with these old historic models, and they're bringing back Ford, the Ford Broncos. The coming. new Ford, right? Yeah. There's a new Bronco coming. Yeah. I used to love the Defender 90 mm-hmm. until I drove it and yeah. realized what a piece of Never crap. meet your heroes. Right? Never that meet that your heroes. interior is just so junky. 
But but those yeah, things are cool. pretty bulletproof. They're yeah. unstoppable. And the FJ has the same, the sort of troop benching in the back where you could put four people without a seatbelt across it. or six people in the back. I mean, I always thought the Defender 90s were really tough looking and, yeah. you know, yeah. the British version of... Of course. I mean, the, the British are the ones who started it all, really. I mean, the safari, anything safari Land or Rover, overlanding. Right. I mean, going out on the hunt. It's so British. Right. So to- colonial. Totally. <laughs> so so the other thing that's interesting in the collectible world are these collector clubs where you could oh, buy a oh, piece of yes. a car mm-hmm. and they financially engineer shares. Yes. I'm skeptical of that. I'm curious yes. as to your Me views. Me too. I don't know how they make money. And I did the story. <laughs> I did. There's, I remember. There's one called Rally Road. Right. Which down is here in Manhattan. Uh, down here in Soho. Nice guys. Young, young guys. I mean- I think the 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 oldest person in there on their team is under forty. I mean, they're all young, relatively young guys. I don't know how they're making money. The the real estate alone to have their space on you know on Lafayette Street in Soho must be ungodly. I don't know how they're making money. Well, it doesn't work if you have ten cars and a hundred investors, but at a thousand cars and a million investors, it scales up. Yeah, but even then, that's a lot of middlemen between an investor and a car. I feel like they're banking on the idea that people don't, it's not an ownership society anymore. To your point about millennials not driving. Right. There's certainly a a feeling that people don't care about ownership, they care about access. As long as I have something when I need it, it doesn't matter if I actually so zip own car it or not. Or... Exactly, Uber. So they're, the, the guys are, there are hoping that also applies to collectible cars which i don't know i mean now they're doing it with rolexes too i noticed rally road has some rolexes listed what you get to share a rolex come on the the other thing i noticed i forgot the name of the company but it's sort of like airbnb for cars you can rent cars from other individuals yeah that's it yeah and you know to me before i buy a car i want to go out and try it of course and half the cars i'm interested in i can't rent anywhere we should discuss bring a trailer are you ever on that (laughs) Because when okay. you when you say you want to go out and drive a car before you buy it, but would you buy something off Bring a Trailer, undriven? So I am on Bring a Trailer all the time, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and literally, I was ner- on the way here. I logged in to look at a 2016 6,000 mile Bentley GT cool. that since Friday uh-huh. I was high bid and starting to get ner. So to me, a 2016. Even so, the new car comes out, the old cars drop in value yeah. a little bit. Okay. But a two year, three year old, whatever it's, it's called, three or four year old with less than 10,000 miles, I'm thinking that's a yeah. $140,000 car. I'm high bid at $75,000 since, or whatever it was, since Friday. Okay. And I'm starting to get nervous because <laughs> the last thing I need is a sixth car. Yeah. And uh, this morning I log on, I'm like, oh, okay, someone else has. Uh, okay. So I've bid on a bunch of cars. I won one that didn't meet the reserve, and I reached out to the seller, and he never got back to me. Oh, that's but so I, bad. In fact, that was an FJ. I was willing oh. to fly you, to Oregon to pick it up. Oh, I like Oregon. Um, but you would buy those cars oh, sure. not having driven them. Um, or this one from Columbia you're going to bring in. So the one from Columbia, there's a long, crazy story. A buddy okay. who imports Defenders from Spain, I was talking to him about I hear the that's FJs. that's good business. Yes, it is. And I was talking to him about the FJs, and I showed him a bunch, and I said, listen, I really dig this car, but I, I can't pull the trigger on a 40 something thousand dollar 70s-year car that I know is 
I don't mind spending money, but it can't be instant appreciation. Yeah. yeah. So he he looked at a few of them and he said, you know, all these are from South America and that's where they're renovated. And I'm like, well, let's see if we can find one. He goes, I have a brother-in-law in Colombia. Uh, well, perfect. So we start looking at one. Fast forward to the end. His red convertible ships out this week. And that sort of sky blue, I don't know if you know the color with the white mm-hmm. hard top roof. Oh, classic. That's the one I have, I'm have. i a fan of with the black cool. interior. Yes. And oh, So classic. if this comes in, he goes, let me be the, he goes, I've imported dozens of cars. I'll be the test mule. Let me bring one in. And the price is like half of what you're yeah. going to pay with yeah. shipping. Yeah. So you have to be willing to do yeah. something like that. Yeah. But we sent somebody to the factory in yeah. Columbia. Oh. He took a video wow. and sent it to oh, it. Oh, sure. And yeah, he's, that's great. Yeah. And Colum- <laughs> Columbia isn't what it was. You know, it's yeah. no longer uh, the the days of cocaine really cowboys lovely. and yeah. right. And and they have all these cars mm-hmm. that need to be need to be renovated. So funny story about bring a trailer. Okay. You know, you sign up for a new website. I, for years, have been using my last name and some password, and I just forget about it. And I kind of sometimes forget you're not that 17-year-old idiot you were however many years ago. So if you click the star, watch this car, or you subscribe to a car, or you bid on a car, those are three different things, and you have three different. So sometimes I don't want to be notified every time one of these come up. Just let me know what's going on with the comments and bidding on this. And the best way to do that is to put a bid on the car. Yeah. <laughs> so I bid $100,000 on, I want to say it was a, uh, a Dino, a Ferrari cool. Dino. And I know, listen, these go for three, four, yeah. five hundred. I know I'm not getting that car. But you want to be appraised of. And I want to just yes. keep me in the loop. Yes. In the office, uh, we get emails from clients. Why is Reynolds bidding hundred thousand dollars on cars? And it's like, no, no, I'm not bidding a hundred thousand dollars on a car. Yeah, I'm bidding a hundred thousand dollars on a half million dollar car that there's no way in God's green earth I'm going to win. And if I do, fantastic, yeah, great. free money, right? But that's not going to happen. You got so, eyes watching it. So I had to go change my name on. Yeah. They were very nice. I, uh, there's no way to do it automatically. I had uh-huh. to reach out to them and uh-huh. say, "Here's the situation." I wish Bring a Trailer had an app. I'm I'm shocked they don't. You know, I spoke to the points guy who does all. The, they're coming out with an app. It's astonishing they haven't done that yet. I know, but they've been growing so quickly, and they've I know. been. I mean, I've been trolling that site for I don't know two years. Is it two years? Mm-hmm. How long has that been around? I think about two. Yeah, years. Yeah. So it's it, and I've kind of watched it. The, it's not just a place to go sell a car. It's, it's educational. A very spe- right, and it's a really good community. People are really really thoughtful in their comments it's sort of like what blogs were like 20 mm-hmm. years ago mm-hmm. so um but fa- you wrote about how how they are giving the auction houses a run for I the know. money because you could sell a half million dollar car there and, and not they pay do. a giant vig on it completely and i know a lot you mentioned it a lot of the cars that don't sell when they don't meet reserve are then sold Privately. Off of bring a trailer privately, and those transactions would have been happening at auctions. Right. You know, so it's completely changing the dynamic. The The beauty of the internet is middlemen who get to charge a big fat fee, <laughs> and this is true whether it's finance or art auctions or whatever it is, they're under pressure because the technology and the share of information makes at least pricey middlemen I less know. needed. I know. And let's not forget, 
despite the champagne and chandeliers at a Gooding or a Sotheby's or Bonham's auction, these are used cars right. being sold by used car salesmen. And I don't mean that in a disparaging way. I just mean, let's be real about what this really is, no matter how much champagne or, you right. know. When a, the beautiful trappings. When a 250 Ferrari goes off and it's $12 million and there's nine of them left <laughs> with matching numbers, that's such a one-off unique entity. And the audience for that are, all right, which of the 27 people right. who can afford this right. and are interested are going to step up? Right. It's not a real market. It's not a no. real car. It's no. it's something completely different It's a different thing completely. Yeah. yeah. So if you were going to buy a car to keep for the next... 30 to 50 years, what car would that be? Well, I was just given a car for my birthday. Really? That's a dangerous present. It's a dangerous present. But, you know, the crazy thing is, here's a fun fact. I haven't actually owned a car myself since I was in college, which was 15-ish years ago. Um, This car I got in November, a 1988 560 SL mm-hmm. Mercedes, black on black. Oh, those are nice. And I have admired them for a very long time. So to answer, and that car lives in LA. Right. So, <laughs> so the the yeah. Mercedes that I have kind of been enamored for is the prior generation, the Pagoda roof, uh-huh. the, oh, the late gorgeous. 60s, early yes. 70s, those either the 230. Uh, Depends on, you know, a bunch of things. 230, uh-huh. 280 uh-huh. with the stick. You could still find them for nice condition. So one just went on Bring a Trailer, white on blue, uh, white exterior, blue interior, but it was an automatic, which okay. doesn't excite yeah, me. No. Um, and I went for about 50. Okay. And I've seen spectacular mm-hmm. versions. Okay. Black interior, white exterior for about 100. Oh. And that's a lot of wood, but yeah. it's a great, it's just so spectacular. Beautiful. So, yeah. I got my SL was a birthday gift from my wife. Ooh, almost twenty years. We've ago. got good partners here. I paid five thousand dollars for it. Um, it needed some work, so we did a top half engine rebuild, replaced some exhaust, did some transmission work. So maybe over twenty years, I'm into the car for I don't know fifteen. Okay. I'll never. And the interesting thing about the car is. It came with the hard, so it's a convertible, but it comes mm-hmm. with the hard top yes, that same. has the electric sunroof, yeah. which was an, <laughs> I learned later, was an, an aftermarket. Off, I was going to say, that doesn't sound stock to me. No, and, um, and I actually have two hard tops. I don't know how that ended up getting accumulated. But once I got, all right, so let me back up. There's, there's a lot of funny stories about this. <laughs> we all have car buddies. We all have people we yeah. spend time with. And this is supposed to be about you and not me, but I know you're going to appreciate this story. So a good car buddy suddenly passes away, and we had kicked the tires, a million cars. I have a hilarious story I told at his funeral. He was an appraiser, had his leg in a cast, and one day says to me, put on, what are you doing tonight? Nothing. He goes, don't wear anything metal. We got to go to Brooklyn and look at a car. And long story short, I end up driving a Ferrari 275 Ooh, down Ocean Parkway. Amazing. And he's like, I, I got to test it. Step on the gas. So amazing. 90 miles an hour on a wow. Tuesday night, shaking. That like, probably horrified. felt a lot faster than 90 miles an hour. Oh, whatever. I car. was probably doing 50, yeah, but it felt, it felt like yeah. But anyway, um, so when he suddenly and unexpectedly passed away, it was one of those, it wasn't even a midlife crisis. It was life is short. What are you waiting for? Mm. And so I go out online and I start. All I know is I want stick shift, horsepower, and convertible. And I start hunting things down. And long story short, I find in Indiana 
just off of lease a M6 convertible, right? Wow. Now, now we talk about, you know, Bentley as sort of a near sports car. So these are 560 horsepower, but some wow. people dyno them and they're sure. closer to six. And it's just, it's a giant monstrosity. And new, I want to say it's like 135,000. Uh-huh. It's up for, uh, you know, low 60s, a little haggling. Um, I get a good price. I have someone come look at it. And I get a 30-page report, and I call the guy up, and I'm like, listen, I appreciate the report. Bottom line it for me. Dude, if you don't buy this car, I will. Okay. <laughs> so for the co- for the price of, yeah. like, a nice Ford Explorer, yeah. I have That's this monstrosity great. in my garage. And now my wife, who drives a stick, yes. who, when we were dating, I taught her to drive a stick. Good. Um, I'm going to have too much to drink one night. You're going to have yeah. to drive. Yes. That was the— uh, yes. Um, and she now is a better driver than I am. Good. Uh, so, uh, she listen. I enjoy driving a car, but it it's that if you know the um, this model's blue, not not the M three blue, mm-hmm. but it's like a really rich, almost purple blue. Okay. With the oyster interior. Oh, gorgeous. It's pure boy toy. She goes, yeah. you know, it's a little long. It's a little <laughs> loud. It's it's. She goes, I want some. I. Well, She's what? got taste. She does. Yeah. She, I said. What do you like? She goes, I really like the One Series. Yeah. And a convertible, they're adorable. And I said, tell you what, they stopped making the One Series, and they really updated it for the Two yeah. Series. Let's find a Two Series. So long story short, I find a guy in Florida who's back and forth between Florida and the Pacific Northwest. He's got nine cars. He races a bunch. He got the M235i. Now it's the M240i. Um, as a convertible, in Florida when he moved there from the Northwest. And uh, I said, so why do you want to sell this with 6,000 miles? He goes, it's so damn hot here, I never get to take the top down. We're in the truck all the time. It's ironic. All right, so, and this was done through, um, it wasn't through Bring a Trailer. I found it through one of the, you know, if you look at all the used car sites, they pretty much all have the same listings. I know. It's interesting. Right? Funny Everybody, how that works. Uh, and, and when I put my SL on Facebook Marketplace for a month, mm-hmm. you know, there are people who go out and scrape your yeah, VIN numbers I, and pretend surprised. to sell that as something else. So uh, it wasn't Auto Trader, but it was something like that. Okay. It was one of, those, uh, one of those sites, and it worked out great. Um, and the funny thing about Florida is they... In the winter, all the big tractor trailers go down there full, and they come back empty. So I was able to bring it back to New York in a covered uh, vehicle for like 900 bucks, which is really... uh, So that's the second car, which which explains why the SL has to go. (laughs) Um, The Porsche, we had all sorts of weird problems with that's very odd occasionally the so first thing we got the the car within a week the stitching on the (gasps) steering wheel you're kidding me it didn't come loose but there was the whole thing but there was this piece of like it looks like fishing wire they Uh used to like it came out enough that you were it was always hitting your hand it was really annoying and i i called them i'm like can i just clip this or am i gonna damage it right no no let us do it i bring it to them they swap the whole steering wheel they don't even clip wow um, so wow. that was the first problem. The second problem was the lift gate sometimes decided not to work. Okay. Like, which That's is a weird just thing. Um, and then the third thing, which was really a engineering error that 
So, so the nice thing about the about the car is you have the DVD, you have the satellite, you have the Bluetooth to your phone, you have the plug-in for the manual iPod, which no one even uses anymore because uh, the Bluetooth on the phone. And then there are these two slots for SD RAM cards. And so, rather than bring the the phone or the iPod in, plug it into the computer, and update it with whatever yes. I've added. I would just throw twenty songs on the Kay. on this and plug them in, and cool. some of them you can move to the hard drive on the car, and eventually we. So I couldn't figure out why the nav was crashing all the time. Event. So the first thing they did, they bring it in and they do an up, update. Okay. The second time they do it, they bring it in and they do a full wipe and re software install. Oh. The third time they bring it in and they pull it out and put a brand new one in. And it's still happening, and then no. they eventually figure out it wasn't the iPod, but it was the SD cards. Whenever they designed that system seven years before, uh-huh. the SD RAM cards were tiny, and now for $8, it's yeah. 32 gigs, and it would just overwhelm the memory buffer and crash the whole system, which is a really weird little thing yes. for a company that's now making a purely electric car. A great point. I'm surprised to hear that because the Macan is their best-selling vehicle, period. I love the way it drove. Yeah. Um, except for the fact that in three years and let's call it 32,000 miles, mm-hmm. I went through two sets of tires and a pair no. of brakes, set of brakes. Oh. But I threw that. I drove that car like it was a 911. I tossed yeah. that car around. As and, you well should. And it, lo- you know, that car never complains about anything. You take that on the highway and throw it into a turn at 87 miles an hour, and it's like, yeah, what else you got? <laughs> nice. It totally was ready for anything. <laughs> I know uh, people who have done the Porsche class, where is it, Alabama? or The or, driving? Yeah. Uh, in Atlanta. The, in the trucks. Headquarters, probably. And mm-hmm. um, they say you just can't imagine what this truck can do. And I'm like, but it's got yeah. such a high... No, it doesn't. It's it's So um, I'd like to take the... Be- I've done the Skip Barber at Lime okay. Rock. I've yep. done... Um, the one at Sebring, I would like to do the BMW course. I bet it's great. What What of those have you played with? Um, from BMW or the or driving courses? Yeah, any of them. Um, well, driving courses, I've I've uh, had the chance to do a lot of laps with Ferrari, Bentley, Lamborghini. Right. Um, so you have a professional driver sitting yes. next to you. It's basically private coaching, right. which is Insane. amazing. Right. Um, snow driving in port in 911s um, <laughs> with Porsche, with literally their their guy sitting next to you saying, telling you when to turn, Faster. when to brake, right. you know, gas, gas, gas. Um, so uh, Porsche, BMW, Bentley, Aston Martin's got some great driving classes right. too. Um, the company's not doing very well, but <laughs> well, they they've I think they overestimated. Oh. They overestimated demand. They were late on the DBX. I know. Right? I know. And I have to tell you, the concept car, the DBX, I was ready to write a check. Not that I could really? afford it. Really? Oh, I love the concept uh-huh. car. And the concept car is what the McCann almost was. Okay. Right? Yes. It's essentially a car yes. that's a little elevated, a little bigger, kind of a crossover. And now the DBX is kind of like a small SUV. I know. It's not that, hey, let's take a, 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 a DB5 and pump it full of drugs and steroids and turn it into a, a small monstrosity. It's like, all right, it's listen, it's beautiful. Don't I get know. me wrong, the interior. It just, the exterior doesn't excite me. I'm the same. And I think if you took the badges off, the Aston Martin SUV, the Jaguar F-Pace. Which even, is not a bad car. Which is not a bad, it's a great, for especially for the money. 
the Ford Mustang SUV, which yeah, that's a that. whole other conversation. Right. If you took the badges off, they would look pretty interchangeable, right. which is really too bad. But they're going toward the insatiable right. market it's all about for trucks. midsize SUVs, right. which is I, every year I keep thinking, all right, this is a year we're going to see a, a cooling truck. Up. Nope. What, it, what do you it, think nope. about the Bentley truck? It's gotten better over the years. Right. I mean, the, it's giant. It's it's giant. Um, it's 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 giving an option for the Bentley enthusiast to have the Bentley SUV. Right. Do they come you know? with matching luggage and everything yeah. else? Yeah. Yeah. It's smart of Bentley to do because it means that their devoted customers don't have to go out of brand to get an SUV. It just keeps them, okay. you know, at home. And that's a big uh, seller for them, right? It, it is, yes. It's done great, especially in Europe and China. And it's it's so expensive, though. I, it's you insane. Know, it's insane. It's over three hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. I will, I will, I have never admitted this publicly. I love. I'm not a Lambo guy. The Urus. Oh, it is the most incredible. Gore. That's what the DBX was, should have done. Those proportions, it, which is basically incredible. a punched up small sports car. In an SUV. They did the launch of that car on a track outside of Rome. It blew my mind. It was literally a track day for SUVs, but it was the Urus. It was insane. Even that yellow. I hate yellow cars. It's spectacular. And it it looks good. It's at least, say you hate it, but at least it makes you feel something. It makes you feel love or hate or disgust. Anyone who says they hate that... It, and it them drives off my list. incredible. I would imagine. It's the best driving SUV, period. Anything of any SUV I've driven ever. It's by far the best. Real, it, yes. And it, it looks good. It sounds yes. good. It's so cool. And I it's, love it. It's expensive, but it's not insanely It's not expensive. insane. It's not. It's it's less expensive than the Bentley, less expensive than the Rolls Royce. Obviously, those are different vehicles, but they're still big SUVs from big, right. big brands. So you mentioned the sound. The yeah. one thing I will say about the McCann S, I have had people come up to me and say, uh, like I park in the train station, uh-huh. and they may not see where the car is. Oh, they hear the, it coming. And just, no, when you when you turn it on. Uh-huh. And the next morning, someone said, what the hell are you driving? Oh, wow. And I said, oh, yeah. uh, McCann. Uh, it's mm-hmm. a little smallest Porsche truck they make. And they said, it sounds like it's a yeah. giant thing. And the X4 is the same way. You yeah. start it up, and it's just... You know, everybody's head turns. I know. I, I have a friend who bought a Plymouth Hellcat because he <laughs> went to a, a Dodge dealer for something else, and something started, and he says to the salesman, uh, they weren't there for a minivan, but it was yeah. something like that. He goes, what the hell's that? He goes, oh, that's our, our Hellcat. Mm-hmm. He goes, go go bring that over here. And his wife is like, oh, dear Lord, no. Yes. He had a Cayman. He just sold it. Uh-huh. She thinks now he's in his dotage. He's okay. chilling out. They bring it over. It's purple. He oh, they go for stick no. shift. They go for a ride. He goes. I wasn't even out of the parking lot when the car was sold. It was yeah. done. Yeah. Um. And it's that sound. You yeah, first hear that so sound, cool. and which is kind of interesting. For when you the, talk about electric, yeah. I and I know uh, the the Taycan yes. has makes a noise. It does make a noise. It's like a whirring, humming sound. It's cool. It's optional, I think it's right? Cool. Yeah. And it's it's fabricated, right? But you can also hear road noise, right. which adds to the experience. I don't necessarily think younger generations are going going to care about a sound because they didn't grow up with. But they grew up with video car. games, and there's yeah. always noise. And in, in it's not, even it's, when you're fl- driving an electric vehicle in a video game, yes. there's some futuristic hum that comes with yes it. I, yes so anyone who says electric cars are silent it, that's not accurate there is a sound it's just a different sound right. than you're used to 
And I don't know. I think about Formula E a lot. You know, uh-huh. it's like Formula One, but with electric cars. And they're real. You know, automakers are really getting behind it because it's yeah. kind of a testing ground sure. for technologies, just like Formula One is. And a lot of old Formula One guys say, "I could never get into it. It's just not visceral enough for me." Right. Um, which I get, but I also think anyone under the age of 30 isn't going to care about that as much because they didn't grow up with it. The, so the that people I know who've driven the Taycan Turbo uh-huh. have said it's the most, uh, you plant your right yes. foot. Yes, And they You're said off. it's the most astonishing acceleration yes. they've ever had. Yeah. Short of a $3 million supercar. It's like a spaceship. Right. It's just, um, and the funny thing is, we talk, I'm, I talk about the M cars. I don't notice the supposed piped-in sounds <laughs> that the M's have, and you can't defeat that. But it's so loud when you're out of the car yeah. and with the top down. Yeah. I don't know who or why they do that. Maybe an M5 is a different experience. I can't say I've ever noticed it over the noise, over the engine, yeah. over the road noise, over the stereo. Um, but that talk about visceral sensation – 2.6 to 60, something like that. For Taycan? Yeah. yeah. Yes. I mean, that for the is, turbo. That's motorcycle fast. I know. That is, I, I like to, um, the other day I did this when it was warm out, and my wife always rolls her eyes. We pull up next to a, a Tesla 100D, Kay. and a woman is driving it, and I look at her and smile and just rev the oh. engine. And she <laughs> smirks, and I know that she knows she's going to blow yes. my doors off. Yes. I don't know if she knows that I know she's going to blow my yeah. doors off. So the light turns green. <laughs> I love war- rowing my way through the gears. She's three she's car gone. lengths ahead of me yeah. by the time we get to the next light and we pull up and I yeah. give her a thumbs up and her windows come down. My, I'm in the convertible yeah. and uh, she goes, you don't look surprised. I go, I, I know what that car can of do. Course. It's the 100. It's faster than a Lamborghini. It's the, My favorite videos on YouTube are the the trucks, the Model X, uh-huh. Beating Ferraris yeah. in a drag strip. Yeah, it's that's true. just hilarious. Now, what do you think of the Cybertruck? Um, I don't think that's a real vehicle. I think that was <laughs> a joke. That's like somebody's shop project. Oh, they've got you know two hundred thousand plus orders. Well, but that's how Elon. he gets free financing yeah. for future projects. I've heard a lot of people Musk say that. Musk is brilliant. Although the day we're recording this, um, there's a short seller whose website is called Reality Check that just put like a 60-page research piece out on Tesla. Um, let's talk about Tesla. Okay, uh, You talk. know what? We're going to come back to Tesla. I still want to stick with collectibles. Great. So for, for collect my whole life, I have been this close to buying cars, and for whatever reason, don't, and then they run in pro- away from me. Oh. Price. So I'll give you the four that I really so close and never did it. I had a buddy that was importing Z8s from oh. from Europe uh-huh. when the dollar was crazy strong. Okay. 2001 BMW Z8, $65,000. Didn't pull the trigger on it in early 2000s. What are they now? Mm. Two, two and change? Yeah. Although they've kind of become garage queens. People are I driving know. them around. That's I, sad. I, I Cars hate should that. be driven. Um, $145,000 for an 05 Ford GT. Which what? Was, With, now, this wow. is, this is 10 years ago. So the car is four years old with 10,000 miles wow. on it. And that was before they spiked. Now, why didn't you go for that? Um, so it's funny. Of the four cars I'm going to mention, three of them came along as we were about to buy a house. And Timing. Uh, so it was always horrible. Yeah. My favorite of which, so the first guy I worked for in finance, I won't mention his name because he'll kill me. <laughs> um, 
but he's a bajillionaire. And he, one day I get a phone call from him, and he says, I need some room in my garage. Do you want my 550? And I'm like, <laughs> the blue Ferrari that you have? That's a stick shift, isn't it? He's like, yeah, I gotta, just, I just need some space. These are very first world problems. Uh, right? Yeah. And I said, what do you want for it? He goes, I don't know. I go, when do you want me to pay you? He goes, I don't know. He goes, figure out what it's worth. Figure out when you're going to pay me and come get this thing out of my garage. Okay. Mm -hmm. I come home from work and I say to my wife, hey, we're taking Marty's Ferrari. He's going to give it to us. And she's like, you're an idiot. We're <laughs> buying a car. Go to your, buying yeah. a house. Yeah. Go to your room. <laughs> like that's the sort of conversation we have. Uh, so it's, all right. I, yeah. guess, I guess we're not getting uh, Marty's Ferrari. But uh, he, like when someone says, now the funny thing well, is. How long ago was that? This was just before they went crazy. Oh. So it was about 100000 retail yeah. at that point. Okay. Um, a, it was the stick. B, it was that nice, I forgot what that blue-purple color is called, with the coach interior. It, it sort was, of an aubergine. Yeah, it was spectacular. Yeah. Um, and then they ran up to 300000 and now they're back down to a hundred. Mm. I don't know why that went kind of crazy. Um, probably smart that we didn't yeah, do that at I that guess. time. Um, then other two cars, uh, uh, Ferrari Dino for 60,000, oh. a 66, oh. 67, something like Did that. Did it run? Did it have an engine in it? It ran. <laughs> it needed work, but it ran. Okay. Um, they're 350 for yes. now. And, uh, I call it Ferrari Dino when I know some people will mock me and call it a Fiat Dino. But oh. come on, let's no. be honest. It's yeah. a Ferrari. Uh, it, it, Not absolutely. that there's, there's zero badging on it. And arguably the most beloved of the Ferraris. Most it's beautiful. very endearing. You're not, someone else just said that recently and I, and I was like, maybe. Could, I mean, maybe. Right? It's arguable for sure. I mean, the idea of a six, it, it, it the proportions are just I know. nice. The 308. Was a pig. Yeah. Come on. And the 328. <laughs> I think those are going to go up in value. I don't. I really They're do. Terrible really? drivers. They're <laughs> slow. They're mm -hmm. just. Yeah. I mean, and then Magnum PI is not the right panache that you want. Uh, uh, I don't think it might come around. All right. I, what listen, do you think about the Daytona? I, I've always loved that. Car. I, I've always. It's not Miami very fast. Vice. I know. Right. I mean, it might could come around. Miami Vice, Magnum PI. Um, <laughs> the Daytona was much prettier. I had a friend who had a 400i. Yeah. Um, and that stick shift was a like bicycle cable. Like oh. we were out on a rally with a bunch of my, one of the greatest sounds I've ever experienced in my life. I used to live on 90 Lex, which is Lex and 27. Uh -huh. And I was a member of some car club and they would do these outings. And one day someone said to me, you know, Long Island, plan a route. Uh, what do you want us to do? Take us out east. So I plan a route out to the Hamptons cool. and then back to a place called Wool's Wharf in, in um, Bayville. And it was a whole day of driving. And uh, I, one of the guys said, um, you want to come? I'm like, I live in the city. I don't have a car. We'll, we'll pick you up. Mm -hmm. So 6 a.m. on a Sunday morning, I go downstairs. There's a line of 14 cars, um, mostly Ferraris, an M5 and a Lambo. And I get into one of the cars and everybody has the whole route. And 14 of these cars go screaming <laughs> out the Midtown Tunnel Amazing. on a Sunday morning. Amazing. The greatest sound yes. I ever... I, like, everybody yes. had their windows down. It Amazing. Was, it was just banoodles. Yeah. So, um, anyway, the Dino was the third car. Uh -huh. One of the earlier cars I missed. And then perhaps the most odd car, I'm looking at a 59 190SL. Okay. And for people who That's don't know that car... small engine. Right. So, exactly, which is why I didn't yeah. buy it. Okay. 
So the 190 SL is more or less the same body as the 300 sure. SL, sure. which is the convertible version of the infamous Gullwing Mercedes. Yes, the, which the is, kid sister. Which is if perhaps, you will. perhaps the most beautiful car. I did the Millimilli in that car. Oh, really? It was. I did two rallies in the Gullwing. Really? The Silvretta Rally in Austria, and then the Millimilli the next year. And? Incredible. And Still. we thrashed that car. Day in and day out and for loves. 14 hours a day. Did not skip a beat. Right. Did not skip a beat. And we were hard on that thing. I mean, it that is an emotional car. Yeah. Incredible. Absolutely. Incredible. I've seen them in the wild numerous times. Yeah. Um, what's interesting is if you go out to the wineries on the North Fork of Long Island, not during the weekends, not in the yeah. peak season, but you go out midweek or, or during like off season and you'll see various auto yes. clubs out there and like it's a car show in the parking lot yeah. it's just it's just absolutely astounding so i the sl which was really rough yes um was 25 grand okay. they probably go for about 10 times that today they're not mm -hmm. the 300 clearly which go for a million plus but it's a shame that car's so expensive the the gullwing go, cuz it is so take any it, of these cars on the list the gt the z8 yeah um, the Dino, or, or I, I will leave the 190SL out, people who own those, they don't really drive them because they it's keep too appreciating bad. too much. Isn't I, that the nature of the collectible market that was once a car that gave people joy is now an object oh, yeah. of art that sits in a garage? I was looking at the auction catalogs going into Scottsdale, and they've got a, a turbo, a 911 turbo that has 34 miles on it, 3-4 Brand new, never driven. Basically never driven. Home from, from the, the dealer 70s. and that was it. Yeah, and that's, to me, that's sad. That's yeah. too bad. That's, that's a just waste. a hunk of metal. Cars right. are, they're meant to be driven. And if you don't drive them, they're, gonna, they're going to um, disintegrate anyway, right. really. What do you think so, of the Singer Porsches? Very well done. Right. Well, that's a very diplomatic thing here's, to say. Here's what I hear. Right. Um, there are singer guys who are bored of the singer Porsche okay. now, and they're searching for other ways to spend their millions, six hundred thousand dollars on a dollars. Right. Um, so well, I going, saw the rally story. Exactly. So, um, the guy who builds that rally car, car T.J. Russell, uh -huh. built cars for Singer for right. years, for nine years, and he has said, "Look, I see the clients that go to Singer, and I see where they are now." And those guys are a little bit bored and annoyed with showing up at their cars and their local cars and coffee. And there are two other singers in the lot. You know, the whole reason. You are they get, making that many? I thought it was pretty they, limited they've upped, run. They've upped production, which is um, translate as it, no longer as valuable as yeah. it once was. You know, they they make that ultralight DLS um, singer too that goes for over a million. It's like a million eight, right? Which is interesting. Is it a skinny aluminum body? Is that what it, they do? It, yes. Uh, are you so, going to put that on the track for a million dollars, or which no, is what that, that the whole point of point, that is? That car will not be driven. I can't imagine that it will be driven. It'll sit in a garage somewhere, which is too bad. So Singer, really well done. I think the the guys that were buying Singers, the real first adopters of that uh, beautiful, really amazing well. thing, they did really well. They're already on to the next. Right. They're already looking for other ways to spend their money. What else in the collectible space catches your eye? <sighs> um, then the Ferraris from the nineties. 90s yeah like really? the f40 yeah like they're i mean yeah okay i think those watch those i would really watch those coming up huh. um 
And I also think like the International Scouts. Um, the trucks. Exactly. The harvesters. Exactly. Uh, that, that run yes. Of, uh, Back to our conversation about Broncos. Yeah. Throw those in the box. My brother wants a Bronco. I'm like, yes. really? Where did this yes. come from? And um, also Land Rovers from the early 90s. Watch watch that space. I was just reading through all this Haggerty data. Sure. I'm telling Which, you. Which, by the way, is a great site. You register Haggerty, for free. Yes. I'm a big fan. And you have fan. access for a it's, ton of stuff. Haggerty.com. It's just numbers. It's completely straight, unfettered numbers. It's really good. I was just looking at all their projections. I think, yeah, Land Rover's from the early 90s. Huh. Yeah. That, that's really intriguing. <laughs> so before we talk about the future of the automotive industry, you kind of duck the question, <laughs> pick any car you want, what would you buy to put away for the next 30 to 40 years? That's a great question. And P.S., part of the reason I ended up with the M6 was the fear Stick shifts are going away. Mm-hmm. If I don't buy one now, uh, you know, yeah. you could get Jeeps and Porsches with them, but an increasingly smaller number of Porsches um, and BMWs, but they're kind of... I know. And any Honda or Toyota in Japan, I know. but they're going away here. I know. So what would you get for yourself if within a reasonable budget... Oh, um, oh well, that just well, takes I'm not, away half my listen, options. Listen, no 275s. <laughs> But, you know, you can get an E-Type. There are yeah, a lot okay. of beautiful cars you could get for under a quarter million dollars. Yeah, of and, course. Or well under a quarter. A $100,000 budget. Of course. That's a huge... Hmm. The other car I was um, bidding on, on mm-hmm. Bring a Trailer, mm-hmm. that I was afraid I was going to win, <laughs> um, was a 37 uh, 812 Court, which oh, is really? one of the most spectacular. Okay. Those Auburn... Cords, yeah, with the metal pipes coming out of the side and the coffin nose, and some of them had the fishtail bow tail back. Um, and for like a week, I'm like, I'm gonna win this car, and then yeah. it ran up in price the last 20 minutes. Um, you know, another car that I really like again, I don't think this is going to going to be a great investment, but I but just it's not like it, right? I'm not talking yes. about. Your grandkids yes. inheriting, and I'm like, no. you're gonna drive this, and yeah. the last thing you do before you go into the home is yeah. here, do something with this. The Porsche 928. I just looked at one. Yeah, it's so well, funny you say that. Sports car of the year, 1976, I think. European sports, European car of the year, 1976. But you, are we talking the like early 90s with the the S plus S four plus and sure. the, and the long straight. Well you you can do that too. I mean it had kind of a long run, but I'm talking It had a like, huge run. Yeah, I'm like talking late seventies. But great great car. Which one did you look at? So I think they're fun. I wanna say this I wanna say it's a seventy nine or an eighty. I yeah. don't remember. Yeah. Um my brother was looking they at They look like a, spaceships. My brother was looking at a house and the guy had bought a car from him and he goes, oh, I, uh, my nine, I got to get, yeah. guy's 90. I got a, uh, still driving a stick shift. And he goes, uh, right? I mean, that's how I want to go yeah, out. Right. And uh, he says, um, you want this car? I look them up. They're like four grand. That's the thing. You can get them for nothing. Right. They don't cost a lot to make drivable and right. runnable. This and is running. This is yeah. a clean running car. I don't know. I think they look really cool and spacey. They're very like 70s. If you remember Risky Business, that's the car. Completely. Exactly. Good reference. And um, they're so comfortable. I've done a lot of desert drives in some that are just like, you can drive for all day long, 
And it's just kind of amazing. You're in like basically a bubble. Right. Your visibility is great. And the irony is when those cars first came out, the purists hated them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Total aberration. What what is this about? Completely. Completely. You know, total just disgusting. Right. And the car world is so snooty sometimes. I mean, when you talk about that 190 Mercedes, people... People get so uptight, or like Porsche 914s. They always want to make sure it's that you've got the ride. It you've got the ride engine. Well, that's the, the 912 was the Volkswagen. Well, there you go. Right. I mean, they they all. It's so snooty. I mean, I just think buy what you like and drive what makes you happy. Right. I think that's really good advice. Yeah. All right. So yeah. now let's talk about the future of the automobile industry. Where first, what is this deal with influencers? You wrote about that not too long ago. Are influencers really driving car sales? What did we sell? 16 million cars mm-hmm. here last year? How much of that is impacted by influencers? I have yet to see numbers pointing to car sales. I have seen a lot of never, uh, numbers being driven, pointed to brand awareness. So, uh, um, Yeah, because nobody knows what marketing. a Ferrari or a Mercedes is, right? <laughs> I mean, well, some people don't. You'd be surprised. They're not Ferrari. I mean, or Ferraris. McLaren. You know, people may not know which what the new McLaren is. The new, if it's is the it GT? the GT? Is yeah. it the 720? Also, a great car. I should have. So I tweeted that. this weekend. Yeah. I went to pick up my family over for brunch. I go to my favorite little bagel store, to, uh-huh. and I pull in. Very New York. I pull in with the truck, and I get out of the car, and the truck next to me, and I hear this noise. I'm like, "What is that?" And the truck next to me backs up. And there is a guy, he's McLaren, um, not the GT, the seven twenty, the big 720S. one. Yeah. It's it's running. There's nobody cool. in the car. Oh. It's idling, and it's just rah, 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 yeah. rah, rah. that <laughs> idle is insane. And I'm like, this is the most North Shore of Long Island thing ever. Uh-huh. Picking up bagels, take the McLaren. Yeah, sure. Because right. yeah. it's got the front. As you do. You have the front. You can yeah. throw a dozen That's bagels a nice in word. there. Yeah. Um, it's a horrible word. I hate that. But, um, <laughs> influencers. So back to influencers. I don't know. I've definitely seen them change the way automakers interact with media and press. Okay. That's um, fair. I can tell you stories about um, being seated at different tables than I would have been sat at during press dinners. And, you know, I... With a bunch of Instagram usually, kitties? Usually, humbly, I say I'm seated next to the CEO at mm-hmm. autom- automotive dinners because I can talk to him and it's part of the reporting. Also, your readers buy their cars. Completely, yeah. Not, so, not an Instagram influencer whose readers are 15-year-old right, boys in there right. in, uh, surfing the web. And I humbly say that, you know, Bloomberg is a great company. There, there are proper standards of journalism. This this doesn't happen by accident. We, we ha- have a very good brand and reputation and ethics policy, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there have been some press things where I've... I'm not sat by the executive, and instead there's an influencer sitting there. And and I didn't really think anything of it, but I noticed it. And then um, a few weeks later, I was talking with a, another journalist of mine, someone from Motor Trend, and he's like, did you notice how all of the actual journalists were not sat next to the executives huh. at that dinner? That's and I said, wow, that was I thought that was just me, and I didn't want to be a diva, but yes, I did notice. The, it's very subtle, the shift, and it, it's only happened once or twice, but we do notice it. The other thing I notice is that influencers are now being given first looks at cars. Really? Where um, normally it would have been a journalist. So I don't know who's an influencer and who's mm-hmm. a, a, journal, a, a journalist. That's scary. Especially with the <laughs> vloggers. But yeah. there are two people 
I follow, mm-hmm. one of whom I honestly don't even remember his name, but the person whose videos I watch pretty regularly, let's see if you could guess who that is. Shmi. No. Um, I don't know. Doug DeMora. Oh, really? So, yeah. So if there's a car I'm interested in and he's covered it, it's a pretty thorough. Yeah, completely. That's the closest thing to a test drive without taking a test drive. Completely. And the insane thing are his videos get like two million views. I know, it's views, crazy. Right? It's crazy. And you can't argue with the numbers. Like these people uh, definitely perform a much needed service. They're great at what they do. They're now, perf- they don't do Camrys and Accords. No, no, of course not. So they're not. doing Bentleys. and In fact, he just did the new Bentley. Yeah. I read your review and then I went and watched. Uh-huh. And some of the quirk, he does the quirks and what have you. Yeah. And some of the funny little things that he picks yeah. up, I'm like, I would never have yes. found that. It's, you know, it's good. The only But it's 30 minutes. You have to commit yes. to 30 minutes. Yes, the only difference that um, I talked about in that story that I just am so aware of is the fact that journalists do not accept payment, payment, right, or free gifts right. from automakers. The minute you accept a payment, you're therefore employed by them, and that kind of implies that you're not free to say right. anything negative. You can't criticize, and that becomes marketing. And I've noticed so, that Doug will occasionally be critical about stuff, which I like. Yeah, that's good. I I take that as a good sign. It's scary when you can't tell the difference between right. someone who's p- literally paid by the automaker right. and someone who is paid by a third party like Bloomberg. So ha- is not beholden. Who is to Spree? Anybody. Who is the other guy you mentioned? Shmi, Shmi. Um, Tim. His name's Tim. He is a British uh, influencer car guy. Um, I've seen you should some, Google him. He has he's very popular. He has a lot of followers. I've seen some British reviewers, but yeah. kind of randomly finding them doing. Yeah. You know, this is the old days of Top Gear yeah. when it was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, people have now said, "All right, let's just take a car out and show you yeah. what it can do." Yep. The the other guy I'm drawing a blank on his name. Chris Harris. No, the other guy that I whose videos oh. I occasionally watch will go out and buy salvage title Ferraris, Lambos, Bentleys. Okay. And he's just a very articulate mechanic, and he will put them back together and either keep them or sell them. Cool. But it's it's if you really want to get into the nitty gritty of what goes into, and I've bought a couple of salvage title cars. Uh-huh. When I was looking for the stick shift M6, uh-huh. there were two for sale: the blue one in Indianapolis, and then a salvage title red and coach one in Florida. And that car is just so chock full of electronics and everything else. Yeah. I didn't want to mess with the salvage title. Yeah. My Jeep. It's two hamsters it's a, yeah. on a treadmill. It's, <laughs> it's a lawnmower engine right, in there. Right, that's right. Um, <laughs> so the salvage title was was more or less fine, and I just replaced all the that's, electronic- That's fun. All the electronic harnesses and the entire fuse box. So it's three different. It's the, the engine electronics, it's the fuse box, and then it's everything else, the lights, the brakes, whatever. So it really was not expensive to replace those pieces, and mm-hmm. eventually I had to replace the uh, the brake pads- had some rust on mm-hmm. them, and I'm pretty sure I broke the parking brake. But oh, sometimes I just I'm pretty sure when I it mean, comes off on your hand. Right. I mean that was <laughs> that was my. Uh, but but basically, um, watching someone buy. Uh, 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 what was the last car he did? Um, oh, he bought a, a, a Rolls Royce, not the Wraith, but the car before that. Okay. That I think he paid eighty thousand dollars for it. Put about twenty thousand dollars worth of cool. work, and it's a two hundred and fifty thousand amazing used two hundred and fifty thousand yeah. dollar car, wow. and it's just spectacular. I've I've seen 
So I'm not a giant fan of the BMW i8, but it's an interesting Is that because car. of how it looks? I love how it looks. Okay. Needs a real engine. Okay. Right? So if you're going to make an electric hybrid and, uh, you know, that should be an M car. Do you give it credit for being really the first sports yes. car hybrid? Yeah. The, oh, absolutely. Because BMW really did beat pretty much everybody. everybody right. But that's like a tiny, you know, it's a three cylinder, some silly little engine in it. I know. And they didn't have to go crazy. Just give me that M3 straight six from the late yeah. 90s. Cool. And we're, Good everybody's idea. happy, yeah, right? I'll, I'll sign on there. So, right. That would be a <laughs> fabulous car. Yeah. And it is spectacular. Um, I got to ask you, since we're talking about future yes. cars, what do you think of the new Corvette? Looks awesome. Yeah. I haven't driven it it's yet. It's a little busy. There's a lot of creases yeah. and curves and this and that. Um, I haven't driven it. I hope to drive it at no the end stick. of the month. Yeah, that's an interesting choice. Although I mean, uh, Lambo and Ferrari yeah, went that same I, way. Yeah, I get it. I get it. And the, uh, looks cool. That's I, yeah. I'm I'm waiting waiting to see. Right. I hope to drive it by the I imagine that it, it it's a Ferrari at half the price. Yeah. That's kind of how see, it I was out. actually I think it's 80. It was 80 was the starting um, price on that? No, 59, was it 59 for the base. For base. Okay. And you're going to want to just add a uh, yeah. couple of things yeah. to it. That I mean, you can incredible. take it up to a buck and a quarter, but it's not necessary. Okay. But you go 7580, that's, that's a great. lot of car. And that is an icon. And if you look back, I mean, okay, you got the 911, the um, Ford Mustang and the Corvette. Those are right. like the longest running sure. sports cars in all all time that have been running continuously since they started like 60, 1960. So you mentioned the the Tesla pickup, which yeah. I don't think will look okay. anything like that. Uh -huh. I think that's a joke. Okay. Um, but let's talk about the Model 3. Oh. That is supposedly hurting BMW and Mercedes. I'm surprised to hear that. I and mean, I, and their numbers, it's the best-selling luxury car in America. I don't consider a Model 3 Neither a luxury car. Neither do I, car. but that's how yeah. a lot of people qualify yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. What do you think? Well, let's talk about Tesla. What are yeah. your thoughts on Elon Musk and what Tesla well, has accomplished? I'm ground groundbreaking. And when I was at Forbes, I did a cover story on Elon and spent I six, read that. Yeah, six months basically in fact, following. In yes. fact, that's <laughs> how I found you. Really, was that cover story? Yeah, yep. that was a phenomenal thing, and I couldn't believe the amount of access I had. I mean, I was playing that video was early games days, with him. Though. That was early days before his team got wise to media. Right. I mean, I literally. Met his kids and was playing video games in his basement for a day awesome. in Bel Air. And he was great. Yeah. You know, we went everywhere. We drove around in the little Tesla Roadster that they had. The Lotus. Way back, exactly. Way back when. Um, so I like Elon as a person. Uh -huh. I found him really likable and interesting and charismatic and funny. Um, he's obviously brilliant. No doubt. I don't think he's a con man. Um, a lot of people, there are a sub sect of traders and investors I know. who would disagree with I, you. I know, I know. Um, I, you know, I. Uh, and the Solar City acquisition was a disaster. Yeah. That was a mistake. Yes. If we're talking only about Tesla, I think we have to give it full credit for changing the industry completely. I, I, I have described Tesla as having already won, forget yes. the stock. Oh. The world has changed because of Elon Absolutely. Musk and Tesla. Absolutely. We would have- Full stop. The Porsche Taycan would not exist if Tesla didn't exist, period. Right. There's no way that Porsche would have been forced, quote unquote, I don't think, to come out with an all-electric sports sedan unless they were, unless for the precedent that was set by so, Tesla. So let's talk about the Taycan yeah. as long as we're, we're talking about Tesla. Um, 
Actually, back to Doug DeMauro yeah. did a review of the car, and he talked about. First of all, he lost his mind over the acceleration, <laughs> but people said, "Hey, this turbo at 185 is an insane amount of money." Mm-hmm. But then he said, "He goes take the nicest." Tesla you can find, Mm -hmm. there is a world of difference in the fit, the finish, the quality. You get in this car, you know you're in a high-end luxury car. It drives great. It feels great. Everything works. He goes, the Tesla is a very nice car, yes, but it's not this caliber of quality. It's the difference between um, tech guys, first adopters, Silicon Valley guys um, driving a car that they like and a car that true car people who are adults right. who know what real luxury and german engineering for the past 70 plus years right. have created it's right. it there is a difference the porsche by far is much nicer inside it just now, feels better i love the idea of the auto updates over the air for the tesla yeah. the autopilot what do they have 5 billion miles of mm-hmm. autopilot that's amazing i know and then the concept that I, at least as of today, it looks like Tesla's first to market with this, that like your phone on a pad, yes. that eventually there's a pad in your garage and you pull in and you're not I even know. plugging the car I in, know. it just charges automatically. I remember when I was doing that story with Forbes, Elon came to New York and we were driving around in a prototype of the Model S. It hadn't even been debuted. Which is still handsome. Which is still handsome. And he was talking some crazy talk about how a car is really just a computer and the car is going to, to be, degree. and at the time I was like, I don't even really, okay. But now he, it is happening what he said. He foresaw. Which is that cars are appliances in a way that a computer is an appliance. Um, Automobiles but, have been the second largest consumer of semiconductors yeah. for like 15 or 20 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, cars are rolling computers for a long yeah. time. The question is, which comes first, the automobile or the computer? He said, let's make the computer first right. and put it on wheels. Right. And the guy believes what he says. Now, other people may not believe him, but I he is a true believer in what he says. Right. So when he says he wants to colonize Mars, that is a genuine thing for yeah, that's, him. That's not going to work because, no. because the reason Mars is a desolate <laughs> wasteland is their liquid iron core cooled and solidified, and without a magnetic field around the planet, the solar wind just blows everything away. That's a longer digression we can have. So until you figure out a way to protect the planet from the ongoing radiation from space and gamma rays and the solar winds, it's a waste of time. Yes. My point is that he he (laughs) believes it. You know, um, whether or not we believe it, he uh, maybe is- Maybe he's right. He, I don't know. He, I'm just spitballing here. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> completely. Um, and so when he talks about, you know, like electric cars for everyone at a relatively affordable level, he it's believes happening. that he is here on this planet to do that. Well, but he's, he's done yeah. it. If it hasn't happened yet, it's in the process yeah. of happening. And like everything from ABS to airbags to crumple zones- it's going to start in the luxury cars right. and work their way down. Right. Speaking of electric luxury cars, what do you? I know you like the Polestar. What, oh, what was your experience with that? Oh, very handsome, fantastic, great looking car. Very good looking. Very good looking. Very well put together. A, Volvo. It's a Volvo car Chinese with owned, Chinese but, money. Right. So that's a great combination. Right. Made in Sweden. Um, beautiful. Now let's About not forget a buck it's 50, a high. Uh, like yeah, that. I think one forty-five. All right. Um, 
So for forty thousand dollars, would you go with the Taycan or do you stick with the Polestar? I do Polestar just to be different. Really? And that's not a knock against the Porsche at all. Which I at all you loved. You I, said it was the most I important love that car, car last it's year. A, yes, a great car. That's not a knock at all. I would just choose the Polestar to be contrarian. Okay. But you know, let's not forget the Polestar is a hybrid, so it does. It's not still a has gas. completely apples to apples. How long do you think we're going to still have gasoline engines for? <laughs> that's a great question. Years and years, years and years. Yeah. 30 years? At, at least. 10 years? Yeah. Uh, at, at least, I would say 30 years at All least. All right, so let me rephrase that question. How far off in the future will half the cars on the road be oh, either that's a, hybrid that's a good question. or electric? If you listen to automaker executives, they say by 2025. Five years? Yes. It's 2020 yes. now. Oh, I, Porsche has already said half of their... Uh, half of their... Ve- sorry, all of their vehicles by 2025 are going to offer a plug-in option. Real. Now, so that can change. The X. The reason I won't pull the trigger on the X6 is they won't even give you a hybrid option, hmm. and that's a giant car that gets three miles a gallon. Although to be fair, the M6. My yeah. the first time I I saw an M6 on the road was uh, in um, Quogue outside of this little <laughs> brunch uh-huh. place, uh-huh. and I'll never forget. I asked the guy. I said, "What is that?" He goes, "Oh, it's an M6." I go, "How do you like it?" And I swear, this guy said ex- this exact thing to my wife and I. So this has got to be like 15 years ago. He goes, it goes very fast from gas station to gas station. <laughs> to your perfect. To your Bentley yeah. thing. And um, it, it's absolutely true. And yeah. I love the programmable settings. And yeah. if you put it on, I, I, I call it, um, I can't say it on the air. The, the, you have two different programmable settings. If you put it on the most aggressive Sport Plus on everything... You could literally watch the, yeah. the gas line go down. Uh, so the other electric car I have to ask, uh-huh. have you seen the Rivian in person? The no, truck. No. They look really interesting, don't they? They do. And the other one that's very interesting to me is the Bollinger truck, too. I haven't seen that also an all-electric truck. Electric trucks are very interesting because if you think about the fact that the best-selling vehicle in the United States for the past 35 years has been Ford a truck. F50. And everything's going right. electric. When are those two worlds going to collide? They already are. That yeah. that is the world's club. Although we're seeing an endless run of electric supercars coming out at three million dollars. I a know. Piece. I can't. The Paninfarina Batista. I love that. The, ba- the Batista is beautiful. If they, well, I mean, yeah. Leave it to them to make the most beautiful <laughs> electric car ever made. And they're unashamed saying we just want to make a beautiful car. Right. That's what, <laughs> I love that's it. What they're they Italian. Do. Yes. We have been speaking with Hannah Elliott. She is the Bloomberg columnist for Automotive and Supercars. If you enjoy this conversation, be sure and come back for the podcast extras, where we keep the tape rolling and continue discussing all things automotive. We love your comments, feedback, and suggestions. Write to us at mibpodcast at bloomberg.net. Check out my weekly column on Bloomberg at uh, bloomberg.com slash opinion. Follow me on Twitter at Ritholtz. I'm Barry Ritholtz. You're listening to Masters in Business on Bloomberg Radio. Welcome to the podcast, Hannah. Thank you so much for doing this. Thanks I've been, for having me. I've been looking forward to this for a while because friends and family who aren't crazy hardcore car geeks can only listen to me babble about it's this It's a stuff. sickness, isn't it? It's a little bit of an obsession. Yeah. And it's like if you don't get it, you don't get it. And if you do, what sickness? The, right. There, you yeah. just get sucked right. My mom has said the first word I ever said was car. Oh, and then I've had people sweet. say to me, 
wait, you, you got a giant V8? I go, twin turbo V8. That's right. And um, they're like, aren't you concerned about the environment? I'm like, I'm very concerned about the environment, but I waited decades to be able to afford <laughs> 600 horsepower. I will do carbon offsets elsewhere, but yeah. I'm, and it's not like this is my daily driver. Yeah. I put 2,000 miles a year on, or maybe more, maybe 4,000. It's the I weekend it. car. And, That's great. Um, that car means something. You know, it this, represents something. This weekend, it's going to be 65 degrees, and I will have this car out with, my line in the sand is 50 degrees, my okay. wife's is 60, but- Top down? Top down, uh, hell scarf? yeah. Scarf? Are you a scarf person? Um- I have a scarf with me, okay. but what I will do is dress appropriately. Yeah. Like, I'm not Snoopy okay. chasing the Red Baron okay, with the got scarf it. blowing yeah. behind me. Good. But um, for my birthday, I have these beautiful, my wife got me these beautiful Ooh. British racing gloves. Fun. And I, you know, the problem with those is that all the cars have heated steering wheels. So you don't, <laughs> you don't really need them as much as you used to. But the heated seats, the... So it's the doable. one the one thing this car doesn't have the air scarf is what the E class Mercedes I have. love that and it's Such just a great like because that's where you I know. really call it makes a huge difference I know I've been in yes. that car and I'm like wow I know this is it's really it's really kind good. of genius and yeah I kind of the you know, the thing that pops up over the top of the, the windshield, windscreen I don't know if that really does much I don't know and I'll tell you what makes a huge difference in in the six and mm -hmm. the two so there's this interior screen that you put across the back seat yes. and it pops yes. up because that little back window that comes right. up is like five inches tall and that's good for 10 degrees you could take the car out in the uh -huh. 50s as opposed to in the 60s and there's Doable. no buffeting there's no noise it really astonishing little bit of and it's not aftermarket it comes yeah. it comes with the car so speaking of um crazy cars and and how people respond to the sickness. You wrote a really interesting review of what I thought was one of the better movies last year, Ford mm -hmm. versus Ferrari. Mm -hmm. um, it was, it, you know, sometimes you go to a movie and you're disappointed. That movie was exactly what I expected. Yes. Fun, all about autumn, this, that, good tension, this, that. But you pointed out... <laughs> That the movie was filled with these meek little secretary women scurrying <laughs> about while all of the males, all of the white dudes, uh -huh. were doing their thing. And as I thought you were dead right when I read it, and I remember saying to myself, she's going to get some pushback <laughs> about this. What was, yeah. the, what was the reaction to that? Um it was surprising. I will. I would say I was actually. I. I wasn't deliberately trying to be controversial or to poke the bear at all. I just thought, oh, this is this is what I observed, and so I will say. And I. And I that was that say, era. The sixties sure. were like that. Well, I, I'll say two things. Number one, I actually wrote two pieces on Ford versus Ferrari. One was an interview that I did with the car wrangler who directed all of the stuff. I remember and that. And all of the cars and the amazing replicas he created. No CGI. And, that yeah, was all real. Yeah, it was all real. They used a cannon to shoot like sh Ferrari shells out on, on Willow Springs race course. And <laughs> it was amazing. So I, lo I love that. And I had a great conversation with him. And that piece was aw awesome. And then the second piece I wrote, which was me... Um, what I thought was just relaying what I observed through the movie. Um, which, which was, was visible to anybody who watched it. Right. Um, let, let me mansplain yes. sexism <laughs> to you. Uh, the, whole, the whole point of that second piece was 
this is interesting. I, I watched the movie and you notice that the decision makers in the room are older men. Um, the, the women are peripheral and there, there are no real people of color involved at all, which was an accurate representation right. of the time. And, and my point was, let's watch this movie and note how it used to be. And note that if we want to move together forward in the car industry in the future, we are all better if we have a variety of voices in the room sure. making decisions. The, and and by the way, Carol Shelby was a jerk, which is that was his rep. Very well documented right. in lawsuits. In uh, I actually called the Los Angeles reporter who worked for the L.A. Times who. Um, uh, covered him for years. I mean, I this was very well documented over 30 years. Um, so th- that was kind of my points. Like, this is a representation of what the auto industry used to be. Let's move forward, and and we will all be better and stronger um, to have different voices in the room, a, a mix of everybody. And Carol Shelby was kind of a jerk, which everyone knows to be true. Right. Um, and the the response was very strong. Yeah. Um, very toxic uh i got a lot of people who came up to me in person and said thank you for saying what i've thought for a really long time i really thank you a lot of people did say thank you but there was also i would say 50 50 a very 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 strong backlash of people who um seemed to think that i was attacking men or attacking hollywood or attacking um white people right um which was not my intent at all. It's sort of like Gamergate, where the response to the people criticizing the video game industry has nothing to do with yes. the the basic uh, premise of their response. It's right. just about, how dare you? Yeah, um, and it, it made me sad um, that people felt attacked and felt that they should respond in a toxic way, which only kind of proved what I was saying, that <laughs> we are all better if we <laughs> leave right. behind this the culture that culture it, it's amazing um the people who are most likely to toss about the word snowflake are the biggest snowflakes <laughs> there are and uh i'll just leave it at that i want to get to um my favorite questions that i ask all of our guests in our final few minutes because i've kept you here for three hours <laughs> it's been awesome um i am yeah, having a lot of fun with this so uh, I normally i used to ask people what their first car was but you shared that so i've moved towards I can't even ask you this because you don't have a TV. So let's talk about pod fl- podcasts. What are you listening oh, to? I love po- my my favorite podcast is Fresh Air with Terry Gross. She's I listen. Re- she's listen. a great interviewer. She is Terry Gross and Howard Stern are my favorite. Stern has interviews. also become he has he's become grown phenomenal. into the the seriously the best celebrity interviewer yes, there it's, is. It's and I come from someone who loved watching David Letterman and sure. I took his style of interviewing is really brilliant and i feel like stern has in a way inherited that it's been really interesting there's a hangover of danger that he may go off the rails yeah so that's always in the background yeah and i think that creates a tension that wasn't there great he's gotten much better yes but that's still there and and it makes it really interesting he's empathetic and he's so intelligent and um and he never was empathetic i know it's It's, it's he has beth and the cat i hate to say this therapy He's mature. I know. Um, so tell us about your early mentors. Who helped guide your career? 
Well, the first one I have to say is Matthew DePaula, who mm-hmm. was the editor who hired me as a as a young wayward reporter way back when at Forbes. He really saw potential um, in someone who didn't have a lot on her resume yet. Um, so he really was the one who has guided me through. And also, I would say second is Joanne Muller, who at the time was the was the Detroit bureau chief for Forbes, um, covering the auto industry. Um, she now works for Axios. Oh, sure. And she's their transportation writer. And she really was so kind and patient and took me under her wing. So those two were phenomenal. Um, so I'm not going to ask you that because I know we're a little tight on time. Um, so let me just go to number five. All right. Uh, tell us about some of your favorite books. What are you reading these days uh, while you're traveling <laughs> Back and forth between New York and L.A. I love reading nonfiction. I love w- reading memoirs. Um, Give us a few titles. Keith Richards' Life. I Fantastic. have that, and I have yet it's to really read good. it. It's really good. And, and I, I'm a giant Stones Yeah, fan. and it's not a completely new book, um, but it's really good. I love music. Um, I love free thinkers and creative people, and he's great, and it really has his voice. Um, my boyfriend's British, so I like the British type of guy. Right. Um, so I love that. Um, I did read Catch and Kill, Ronan Farrell's, Farrow's book about uh, the Harvey Weinstein. I've held that at arm's length because I know it's going to just be... It's really be, good. It, is it tough to read? No. No, it's it's uh, it's. Motivation. What I mean by tough is it, it, like uh, his behavior is egregious and yeah. the Times coverage... Some of it is really like, oh my God, this is disgusting. It's hard to... It's hard, but the thing is... The worst stuff has already been out in the news. So when you read the book, I actually put off reading the book because I thought, well, I've already all read this in the press. I don't need to read the book. But the book adds some great context and background and adds a lot about his process. And I'm fascinated with that. I mean, he's uh-huh. in, he's a really a brilliant, almost prodigy type of, of uh, writer. One Pulitzer ready. I know, and, uh, and he's so young. Right. He, there's um, more in the future. No yeah. Doubt. So that was a great book. I also just finished reading um, Why Social Media is Ruining Your Life yeah. by Catherine Omerod, um, who's a, a British journalist. She's a friend of mine. It's a great book about how social media affects um Everything about yeah. your your perception, your awareness of the world, your interaction with reality. Right. Um, Social media is not reality. No, and, but a lot. It, it still affects people as if it were reality. That's kind of the crazy thing. It's it's although the, you know people used to make the same arguments about new low, television news uh-huh. that it creates this really distorted viewpoint. Until people like Pinker and Rosling came along, most people don't realize how crime has been plummeting mm. over 40 years. You watch local news, mm. and it's all stabbings and shootings and what have you. Um, I have a So that's three books you gave me. I'm going to give yeah. you one book okay. which you might like. Um, have you read Super Pumped, the book about Uber? No. So it reminds me a little bit about Bad Blood, about okay. Theranos, where okay. you have this... Com- although there's, not, there's no fraud here, there's a lot of criminality. <laughs> okay. And, but it's really fascinating how this idea turned into... A, a world-changing thing, yes. Despite that toxic bro Ooh, mentality, interesting. And just okay. it's it's really kind of intriguing and fascinating. Cool. Um, so tell us about a time you failed and what you learned from the experience. <laughs> That's a good question. I will take it back to high school when I was on my high school basketball team, and you would think six you, six, yeah, able to yeah dunk. I'm six eight by now, right? At least. <laughs> um, it, you would think I'd be a good basketball player because of my height, but I really, um, I, I, coordination I, and... I, I did not, I, I felt like I felt the thing that I realized about the basketball team 
which I was on, but sat on the bench, which I kind of, I hated the whole thing, but I let, um, my own inferiority and feelings of insecurity work in a downward spiral roll against me. Right. And I, re- I still can remember the feelings of how that felt knowing that like you weren't, ve- you weren't, didn't, you didn't feel like you deserved to be there. Huh. And then how that kind of worked against you and, and with your own feelings of, um, self-worth and, that felt like that whole thing felt like a failure. And what I learned from that is don't talk yourself into feeling like a failure. A lot of it was in my own head. Right. Um, and I, I never want to go back to feeling like that where I just felt so insecure. So, so when you're not taking other people's quarter million dollar supercars <laughs> away for the weekend, what do you do for fun? That's a good question. Um, this is a really weird answer, but uh, Magnus, my boyfriend and I like, playing music together and we've started a fake band called neon jesus are you recording and putting we're it recording on our own phones but i mean not he, putting it online no he he plays guitar and i have a tambourine and sing and i and i write lyrics and we have all these singles that we've done this is the nerdiest thing ever you cannot hear us anywhere but That's the hilarious. band is called neon jesus and we already have like a whole list of things that we've record we've recorded for ourselves. That, that's pretty <laughs> hilarious um <laughs> So what are you most optimistic about the auto industry today and what are you most pessimistic about? I'm optimistic about people. I mean, I'm a big believer uh, in as long as there is life, there is hope and the human capacity for growth and creativity is unceasing. And as long as we have young, bright, motivated, creative people who are allowed to use their talents, that is very... um, uh, exciting for me and i think that you know cars aren't going anywhere people say that they're going to slowly die out but i don't think so it's just changing and it's we've a, seen it'll change be a century before, before they're gone of course. If, if that yeah and our final question what sort of advice would you give to uh, a recent college grad mm. if they were interested in a career of either automotive or journalism or automotive journalism it's a great question. I'm asked that a lot. Um, I would say for people who love cars, uh, go get a journalism degree. A lot of people think because they know a lot about cars, they can be an auto writer, and it, it doesn't work that way. It works the other way. It's better to become a writer first and then hone your craft learning about it at subject. So um, for people who want to be journalists, period, I would say don't believe it when people tell you you should go to journalism school and get the master's. Just start writing. Just start writing because at the end of the day, all anybody wants to see is your byline. Where have you written? Show me something you've written. I did not get a master's in journalism. I got an undergrad and then started working. And that, to me, worked very well. Great advice. We have been speaking with Hannah Elliott. She is the automotive columnist uh, for Bloomberg. If you enjoy this conversation, look up an inch or down an inch on Apple iTunes, and you can see any of the 300 previous such conversations. We love your comments, feedback, and suggestions. Write to us at mibpodcast at bloomberg.net. I would be remiss if I did not thank the crack staff that helps put this together each week. Paris Wald is our producer. My audio engineer is Mark Siniscalci. I'm Barry Ritholtz. You've been listening to Masters in Business on Bloomberg Radio. Bloomberg Radio.